Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Russ Cordell. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Thank you, Jesus. All right, I've just got a couple of great things to talk about a little bit this morning before I dive into the Word. Many of you were here on Wednesday night, either in person or over live broadcast on our live stream. Brother East came and ministered to us, and he did a fantastic job, as always, powerful. Uh, and we love Brother East and his ministry. He's still here. He's, he's going to be leaving on Monday, but he's ministering, I think, in Kenosha this morning. But that's not what I wanted to talk about this morning. I wanted to talk about some good things that happened on Wednesday night. And one of those great things that happened is not one, but two people received the baptism of the Holy Ghost on Wednesday night. Yes, amen. So as Brother East gathered us together and we had a time of special time of prayer here at the altar, many people came and we got to pray with one another, uh, uh, Brother Steve and I and Brother Rob and, and uh, Sister Rand and my wife and, and, and the ladies that came up and later on even more people continuing to pray. But one young lady who was a visitor with us for the first time and is part of Sister Danielle Bartlett's Bible study stepped up and she had a hunger. She felt something. She said, I could hear her say, I've never knew it could be like this. And she stepped up and she gave her heart to Jesus Christ. He filled her with his spirit as she began to speak in tongues as the, the, the spirit gave the utterance. Amen. Now, some of you were here that you know that and you prayed over this young lady and I'm gonna introduce her here in just a moment. But what you didn't know is somebody else was praying right alongside her and wasn't being prayed for, but was praying right alongside her and was wanting God to fill her with the Holy Ghost. So I'm going to bring up two people this morning because I have Holy Ghost certificates, not only for Miss Alyssa Wade, who's with us this morning with her family, but also Miss Lacey Bartlett. Congratulations, it's wonderful, it's good to see this one. And Miss Lacey, congratulations, you did a great job. So Miss Lacey, yes, amen, praise the Lord. So Miss Lacey's helping her mom out with the Bible study and she knows Alyssa and her family, they're neighbors. And she came up and she was praying with Alyssa and then God moved on her, and in her tenderness and her seeking the Lord, God filled her with the Holy Ghost at the same time. Isn't that awesome? Praise the Lord. Bless you, Lord. Amen. And then one more exciting announcement. Brother Matthew Ledesma is going to be getting baptized after service today. And we're very excited about that. He spoke to his mom and he said, Mom, I want to get baptized. And so they called me over and uh, he said he wanted to get baptized. And I said, well, what do you want to get baptized for? And he said, because I want Jesus to wash my sins away. So he knows. Amen. Eight years old. Eight years old. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Brother Noah and Sister Marisol, good job. Very well done. Good job. Amen. 
All right. Should we dive into the word this morning? Anybody hungry for the word of God today? All right, if you'll stand with me for just a moment, let's honor the word of God today. Thank you for that. Turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. What we're about to do today is embark on a mission to get after the enemy and defeat our enemy. You see, you and I aren't enemies. We're not meant to be enemies. People out there tearing up the country, they're not your enemy. Democrats aren't your enemy. Republicans aren't your enemy. See, your enemy is much more sneaky than that. And your enemy is driving a doctrine and driving a movement and driving emotion and thought and driving a message into people and driving them into things that are contrary to what God designed for people to be. And so that thought process and that, and that agitation and that message that he's pumping into our society is affecting people and it's causing disunity. It's causing differences. It's causing things, distraction. And there's things that are creeping up to the doorsteps of the very church that we attend sometimes. Not just this one, but every church. Because ultimately his mission is to destroy everyone. But he definitely wants to destroy the church. He wants to destroy the word of God. That's why I was so adamant today. Come into the church of God. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. We have the freedom and the liberty now. We don't know what tomorrow holds. We're not promised tomorrow. But you have the privilege now to love one another, love your Lord, your God, praise and worship him and lift up the name of Jesus. Let's do it today. First Timothy, excuse me, Second Timothy chapter four, starting at verse one. It says, now, Actually, before I dive in, I want to just set the, the stage here. This is Paul writing to Timothy. Timothy is a pastor at this point. See, most of Paul's epistles written to the churches, those epistles were instruction for the church body. They were instructions on Christian living. Very, very quickly, as Brother East said on Wednesday night, after they had received the gospel and these churches were established, it wasn't very long before they began struggling with the rudiments of the world and doctrines of the world and things were getting intermingled into the churches. They were bringing in Greek philosophy and Gnosticism and Jewish mysticism and, and immediately they had to begin struggling and fighting against these these wonderful people who honestly received God, received the Holy Ghost. They were baptized in his name, but they began to struggle and things, rudiments of the world were being pushed in to the church. And Paul, in his great and infinite wisdom, writes to his brother Timothy, a pastor of these churches. And he has to say this. He says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word be instant in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things endure afflictions. Do the work of an evangelist and make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. Henceforth, there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day. And not to me only, but to all men also that love is appearing. You can be seated this morning. This was an, an acknowledgement 
and a direction towards Timothy, the pastor. Now, in all of our own ways, in each of our own ways, we're all a pastor in our own rights. We're all an evangelist in our own rights. We're all keepers of the word. And what I was saying to you earlier is that we're going to embark on a journey today that's going to anger the enemy. See, we've got to start going after the enemy, not people, not movements, not political doctrine, not the things that don't matter. We've got to get after the enemy because the ultimate goal isn't to worry about statues remaining and the ultimate goal isn't to worry about whether our politics is going to take care of itself. The ultimate goal is that we become ministers of the kingdom. We turn from looking at one another out there and we get a hold of what people need and we start bringing an answer of hope, Right? So by diving into the word, I want to encourage you today in the word. I want to take the sword of the spirit and I want to get a hold of you and grab that sheath that's hanging on the side of your belt and slide that thing in there with strength and power so that you understand that if you get a hold of the word of God, you do what the word says. If we focus on the word, the doctrine, we can defeat all the rest of this stuff. We are not enemies. You're not enemies with them. You're enemies with the enemy. And it's time we start standing up every single day and recognizing who's causing disunity, who's causing doctrines to be blown into the church, who's causing things to be separated and torn apart. Who's doing that? You see, I want to be angry at him. I don't want to be angry at politicians. I don't want to be angry at presidents and senators and congressmen. They're going to do what they're going to do. I have no control over that. But I do have control of what's in here and taking hold of this word. You see... It's coming. It, 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 it won't be long. It's already in the ether that this, this precious document, the constitution of the universe that God created, this precious document is already being referenced as hate speech. It's being called racist because it's pointing out, it points out something that people don't want to have pointed out. Sin takes hold of behaviors, it calls down behaviors that God did not intend to exist in mankind. And so therefore, people who don't want to be told that what their actions are doing is sin, that there's a destination for them that could be very scary, they're going to come against this and they'll say it's hate speech and it's racist and it's divisive. It's not. It's the perfect will of God. You have to understand what I'm holding in my hand is literally Jesus Christ himself. His will. His testament, his word. So if you're going to call this hate speech, if you're going to call this division, if you're going to call this racist, then you're saying that about Jesus Christ. Anybody going to get excited and get fervent and righteous and defend this thing? John 1 and 1 and 1 through 14. We quote it often. But I want to remind you I want to remind you what John said. See, John was the apostle that understood and he, he, he saw the deity and the depth of Jesus, God manifest in the flesh. He saw it in a special way that the other apostles didn't necessarily see. John 1 and 1 through 14, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. What I just say, this is him, this is he. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything that was made was made. Who is the him? Jesus. 
because the word was with God and the word was God. How do you say that, pastor? I don't see it there. I don't see Jesus' name. Okay, let's keep on going. In him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light. Now he's talking about himself in the third person. You get that? He's talking about himself. That came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light. John wasn't the light. He was just bearing witness of it, but was sent to bear witness of that light that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. How many men? All men. Every man. Every person. How many times have you heard me say from this pulpit in recent weeks, rise above what you see out there. See those people as precious souls that desperately need God. Have the passion and the compassion in your heart. If Jesus can hang on a cross with nails driven into his hands and his feet, scourging on his back, bleeding to death, suffocating as he hung on a cross and he stood there and said, Father, the very ones that did this to me, forgive them for they know not what they do. You've got to have that compassion in your heart. You've got to be able to look at those people and say, no, they're not savages like one man was just quoted. They're not animals. They're not terrible. They're people who don't know Jesus Christ. How do I know that's true? How do I know that it's his will? It's in the word of God. He was in the world and the world was made by him and the world knew him not. This him is Jesus. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. That's why I know it's Jesus. That's why I know that the word is Jesus. This is Jesus. It's his testament. It's his will. He's the creator. The word says right there, he was there in the beginning. All things were made by him. Every creature, every person, every soul belongs to him. He's the father of them all. Revelations 19 and 13 confirms and says, and he was clothed with a white vesture dipped in blood and his name is called the word of God. He's talking about Jesus, of course. John 8 and 12, then spake Jesus again unto them saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. What did, what did John say just a moment ago? I'm not the light, he's the light. The word is the light. What are we dealing with right now? What's covering our country right now? What's covering the globe right now? Darkness, utter and complete Darkness. Should we run all over the place and take our conservative uh, principles and our Republican this and our Democrat that and stand on a pulpit and profess to people uh, the Constitution of the United States and the Bill of Rights? Is that going to save him? Brother Reese said to us on, on, on Wednesday night, and I agree with him completely, the Constitution of the United States, while penned by brilliant, wonderful men who dedicated their lives to God, often quoted about God, often talked about God in their speeches, that was not a divinely inspired document. God did not move on those men as they penned that document. 
as brilliant and wonderful and near perfect as you can possibly get in the human existence. It was not divinely inspired. This was penned and written and inspired by God Almighty, by men who were moved on by the Holy Ghost. This is your constitution. This is what you gotta hang on to. You gotta be ready because they're coming for it. They're gonna take it, this thing I have in my hand. They're gonna take it from you. But the Bible says, thy word I hide in my heart that I might not sin against you. Well, that's interesting. How can those two work together? How can hiding God's word in my heart keep me from sinning against him? You would think, hide the word in my heart so I could repeat it later on. Hide the word in my heart so I could minister it to people. Hide thy word in my heart so I can be a preacher or an evangelist or in season and out of season, like he said. But this very word will keep you from sin because the message is here. The answer isn't here. The words are in here to keep us from sin. Be ready because they're going to come take it from you. If we're still here, the church abides in the, and, and we're still here, they're going to take it from you. That's all right. For those of you who've eaten this thing, you know that the Bible says to devour this? It says to eat it. Literally eat it, consume it. See, I'm stomping on the devil's head today. I'm telling you stuff he doesn't want you to hear. I'm reminding you of things you already know that he doesn't want you to know. Because they're coming for this thing. And he thinks if they can take these books, this paper, this is, you know, prior to having the word of God written on this, it was just paper and pleather or whatever this stuff is made out of. It was meaningless, it was nothing, it was worthless. But now it's covered in the word of God, it's powerful. I'm gonna talk about the benefits of this thing. I'm gonna talk about the tool and the sword that it is. But ultimately, if they take it from you, it goes back to being meaningless again. It's just a book. You took my book. Okay, fine. Take all the rest of my books. And they're burning them now. I saw a picture on Facebook the other day. Church schools right now, while they're shut down, are going into their libraries. And they're just truckloading out tons of books. Books about uh, early American history and Native American history. Books that say things that the, the, the current populace doesn't want to say. The unpopular things. The politically incorrect things according to their will. They're chucking them out in dumpsters. Tens of thousands of dollars worth of books that were in school libraries for little kids. And they're gone. Anybody remember something from history about book burning people? Hmm. Well, they can burn this one. I got a stack of them. I've got four or five of them. Some of them are pretty tattered and torn. There's stuff highlighted in them and, and, and things hanging out of them and all this stuff. I call this my toting Bible. And what I mean by that is I tote it back and forth between the pulpit and, the, and my office because I want to have the word of God with me, even though because of my blindness, I write it all down here on paper. You notice I don't read out of it because it's super tiny, right? But I've got several at home. They can have all of them. Take them. That's what you want. That's what the new law is going to say. This is hate speech and you, I have to surrender it. I have to give it up. Okay, that's fine. It doesn't matter because it's in here. And I'll tell you what, when I need it, when somebody's standing before me and is giving me a present, presenting with me something that they're challenged with, something that God has delivered me to do, to say to them that Holy Ghost riles up inside of me and all of a sudden those scriptures just start a rolling. They just start coming out and ain't nobody's law or anybody's brook burning or anything else is ever gonna stop that because the word of God lives inside of my heart and it's gonna be there until the day I die. You can cut my tongue out and I can still write it down. You can cut my hand off and I'll write it down in the, in the ground with my toe. I don't care, but that word is in here. And it's guiding me, and it's leading me. It gives me strength and joy and courage and faith because I can look out there and see all that stuff and I can see, well, there's a soul that needs God. There's somebody that needs God. See, I'm not worried what my neighbor's doing. 
I'm not picking at anybody else and how their walk looks. I'm not going after people and nitpicking. I'm here to minister. People come to me. Pastor, I'm dealing with this struggle. Can you help me out with that? Great phone calls, wonderful meetings in my office. I'm here to help. I'm here to minister because the Bible says we use the word of God and we minister to one another. Perfect love casteth out all fear. I've got people that are coming to me scared to death about what's going on out there, calling me, worried about what's happening, what's the future is going to hold. I can share with them the word of God. It's powerful. And I can defeat the enemy with it in anybody's life. And you can too. If you get a hold of this thing again, if we just revive this passion that we should have for the word of God, if you just get back into it again. I've heard several times in the last few weeks concerns of unity in the church. Not just here, but I've heard it with ministers. I was talking to Sister Vernon. She's seen challenges that way. Why? Because there's a pressure on the church to succumb to the fear and the difficulties of what's going on outside there. And it enters into our flesh. We're just normal people, just like everybody else. That's okay. But that fear is the source of so many conflicts. The fear of what's going to happen, or what's he going to do, or what's she going to do, or what are they going to say, or is this thing going to go the right way? All these fears creep in because fear is consuming the world right now. Sister Matson, you said it perfectly this morning in pre-service prayer. I thank you for that. You, you, you're hearing from the word. You're hearing from God and ministering to us exactly what I was talking about this morning. Again, God's unity. First Peter 1 and 25. The word of the Lord endures forever. Just confirming the point I made a moment ago. I'm getting a little ahead of my notes because I'm just pretty fired up. It endures forever. Burn it. Take it. Take our whole library. I don't care. Because the word of God is not this. It's you and it's me and it's all of us. You understand if they're rejecting his word, they're rejecting him. They're outlawing him. They're trying to remove him from society. Once again, the enemy is trying to eliminate Christ from the world. It's happening now. They're attacking churches. There were, there were a group of faithful people. I won't say what faith. You can probably figure it out. We're standing around the statue in St. Louis trying to protect it from being torn down. It was, it was a memorial of a, of a particular saint. Now, I don't subscribe to all that necessarily, and we don't really do the whole graven image statue thing, but I certainly wouldn't go and defame somebody else's faith and tear at them and tear it down and do things like that. But they began beating the people who were standing, and all they were doing was praying. Just beating them. Mm-hmm. We've got to stand on this word and we've got to defend it because it's what's going to carry us through. Look at the importance of our connection, our adoration, and the protection of the word in 1 Samuel 15 and 23. This word will resonate with you. For, the rebellion, for rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is the sin of iniquity and idolatry. But thou hast rejected the word of the Lord he hath also rejected thee from being king. This was Samuel speaking to King Saul, the man who was the king over all of Israel, had all the power in the world he could want. But he rejected God's word. And therefore he rejected God, and he was cursed to lose the position of the king. Deuteronomy 4 and 2 says, Ye shall not add unto the word which I command you, neither shall ye diminish aught from it, that ye may keep the commandments of the Lord your God which I command you. This is also mentioned in the book of Revelation. You cannot add to the word and you can't take away from the word. Revelation says you'll be cursed if you do that. 
We live in an environment right now, a politically correct environment, where faith-based organizations are peeling away portions of the word of God that are inconvenient. Do you understand right now that the apostolic church is under pressure? It's under pressure to forego our stance on the salvation doctrine. See, they want us to go into that easy-peasy method too. They want us to take pieces, pages out of the Bible and go with that format. And I'm telling you today that this church, this building, this body, under this leadership, isn't going in that direction. We're going back to Pentecost, where it was all written in the first place. We're not going to add to it, but we're going to devour every single word of it. There's pressure in the church right now to forgo our position on the oneness of God. There's pressure in the church right now to ease back on that a little bit. There's pressure on the church to ease back on the message of salvation, repentance in Acts chapter 2 and 38. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. John 3 and 5, the only way you're getting to heaven is by the water and the Spirit. See, they want to back off of that. No, 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 no. All you have to do is believe. Just believe. That's all good enough. That's taking away from the word, you understand? Revelation 6 and 9 gives us a a glimpse into the future, the time of revelation, the time when God comes back for the church, a time of the end time tribulation. Revelation 6 and 9 says, and when he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of them that were what? Slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. There will be people will be killed for this purpose. It's happening now. People refusing to stand down. I remember the story of the girl at Columbine. Remember the Colorado, the shootings that happened out there? There's a girl, a young girl, in a library. And they stood over her and they held a gun to her face. And they told her. They didn't say, give me your money. They didn't say, I hate you because you picked on me. They didn't say, you're the wrong color, the wrong race, the wrong... Nothing. You know what they said? Renounce Jesus. And she didn't do it. And they assassinated her right there because she stood up for God. Oh, she's got a crown of glory right now. She's got a crown of glory right now, I guarantee you. Ephesians 1 and 13 tells us that the word of truth is the gospel of your salvation. Folks, don't cut a piece out of it. Don't back off of any of it. Don't decide that some piece is inconvenient for you. That doesn't what that means. That's et cetera, et cetera. You've got to be very careful to rightly divide the word, divide the word so that you know precisely what those meanings are. It is your, the gospel of your salvation. Philippians 2 and 16, is called, it's called the word of life. It's what will give us that eternal life. A great purpose now, even more important for these times today, a power, a power against temptation, and it is coming. We will be pressed as a people. We will be pressed to back down, to quieten up, to go into the closet, to shut up, to stop pr- putting that message out there, to stop reaching out to people. I'm telling you, it's coming. But this will embolden you. It will strengthen you. It will give you what you need, but you've got to devour it today. You've got to revive that passion that you have for the word. Revelation 3 and 10 says, because thou hast kept the word of my patience, I also will keep thee from the hour of temptation, which shall come upon all the world to try them that dwell upon the earth. Why protection from from temptation? Why is that important? Look at James 1 and 14. It says, but every man, every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived 
It bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Why do we need to kill temptation? Because it's the first step on a bad road to the wrong direction. So you understand the word says, in other words, you don't all of a sudden just die. Most people don't just all of a sudden dive into rank alcoholism or abusing a spouse. But the Bible says that you're drawn away. That scripture says that you're drawn away by your own lusts. What does that mean? Most people, when they think of lust, they think of something that has to do with uh, 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 intimate relationships. There's children in the room. I'm trying to be careful. But you understand what I'm saying. They think lust all has to do with that. That's not it. It's fulfilling the flesh, doing something, indulging in the flesh. You know what lust is? Lust is standing in a street in the middle of a protest, screaming in rage and grabbing a hold of statues and throwing them down. And People are engaging in a lust. (laughs) Thank you, Angie. It is, though. What you're watching is that very thing. When you indulge in the flesh, you're engaging in a lust to do what just feels good for the moment. Let's beat something. Let's run up to somebody on the street, precious little old lady walking down the street, doing nothing, little shopping cart. That walks by, wham! Hits her in the head, knocks her down, and she hit her head on a fire hydrant. For what? Because it felt good. 400 years of oppression. And I just solved it because I knocked down a 90-year-old lady. Do you hate that man? I don't. See, I looked at that and I said, there's a precious soul that's been fed the wrong doctrine. A precious soul that's been fed something by the enemy. It's engaging in the lust of the flesh. When you engage in that lust, when the lust will draw you away, then sin is conceived. And then comes forth death. You understand? The Bible, the word of God, will keep you from that temptation to get angry at things that you see and say the wrong things or divide amongst your leaders or to come against your pastor, God forbid. That temptation to engage in lust. Well, this is righteous. I figured it out. See, that's wrong. And so I'm going to rationalize in my mind that what, what I'm saying and what I'm doing is wrong. So what if I've told 30 or 40 people but see, the human, there's a local radio host that says that the most powerful, second most powerful human drive, I'll let you figure out the first one, we talked about it a minute ago. The second most powerful human drive is rationalization. You know what rationalization is? Lust. It's engaging in lust. See, I can rationalize my behavior. It doesn't matter what the word of God says, because if I've decided in my mind that my actions are righteous, that what I'm doing and saying is right because it's for the better good, because I'm gonna solve a problem. You see, that's lust. If you're countering what the word of God says. And so what you're seeing out there is a rationalization that it's okay that we burn and tear up a Target store and loot all the stuff out of it and effectively steal. That's okay because I've rationalized in my mind that it's justice being had for oppression and all these terrible things that have happened. Do you hate those people? Mm-mm. They're precious souls that have been fed the wrong message. They need the word of God. They need people that will embrace them and love them and reach out to them and say what you're hurting with and what you've been witness to and what you've dealt with in your lifetime. It can be solved, but this is the answer. This is the answer. Not going to prison. You know, they're catching these people. They're tracking them down. There's cameras everywhere. You understand that, right? George Orwell had it right. There are cameras everywhere. And they're snapshotting these people and they're tracking them down. That fellow that knocked over the little old lady, he's going to jail. 
Well, that'll be good for him. We all know that the jail system in the United States of America is very rehabilitated oriented. In some cases, it is. But you see my point? Lust drew to a sin. And there was a payment for that. Now I pray that wherever that person ends up in prison, there's a wonderful chaplain type person, somebody with the word of God who's in there ministering to the prisoners where he goes so they can be fed the right message, not the enemy's message, the right message, the word of God. You know that you can be an agent for this and something like that? God forbid God would call you into a prison ministry, huh? Kids got soccer on Saturday. Look at today again. The very people crying out for justice are already attacking churches, tearing down the icons, attacking people, as I said. I want to read you a quote from Archbishop Desmond Tutu of South Africa. If you know anything about what's gone on in South Africa over the last 30 years, you know there's been incredible unrest, hatred, division, uh, just terrible damage. People killed, imprisoned. He said, there's nothing more radical, nothing more revolutionary, and nothing more subversive against injustice and oppression than the Bible. And he's exactly right. See, we need to be counter-revolutionaries. Counter-revolutionaries with a message of peace and a message of hope for our world. We shouldn't be taking any more time to worry about what's going on inside here. You know what? We have a great leadership team. I have a wonderful pastor board and trustee board. We're united. We just met last Monday. We talked about a few things. I'm going to mention it here in a minute. We have a great bishop who loves this church and loves his pastor. We have a great family care pastor who loves the people, loves his pastors, working hard. We have a great team. God is leading us. If you can, if you can just, just believe that God has called all of us together and that he's leading us and he's guiding us and the actions that we're taking are led by God, if you could just do that, we could turn from inside here and worrying about what's gonna happen here and what's going on amongst one another and we could turn outside and we could be counter-revolutionaries for a world that desperately needs this Bible. He said, it makes me wonder whether all Bibles should come with a warning label on their covers. Caution, read with care. The contents of this book could change your life. Reading the Bible, listening for God's word to us can be a source of blessing as well. When we are discouraged, God's word has the power to support and uphold us. When we are in despair, it can offer us renewed hope. When we're sick, it can give us confidence in God's healing power. When we're confused, it can help us to find clarity. When we're feeling guilty, it can assure us of God's unconditional love and forgiveness. When we are lonely, it can remind us of God's abiding presence. There is power in God's word, power to create, power to transform, and power to bless. One way to gain access to the power is to open the Bible and begin reading it, listening for God's word to you. If you want to hear from God, if you sat back and said, I never hear God's voice, I don't hear his direction at any time, I just don't hear him, get into his word and let him speak to you, and he will guide you, and he will lead you, and he will direct you. If you're worried about what's going on in your life right now, get into the word of God and listen for his voice. Ask him, get a word from him. And I'm wrapping up with this this morning. Just a few benefits. I just want to encourage you in a few benefits of the word of God. Pastor Borden and I got together 
On Monday, I feel, I have felt this, I've, I, I've just had such a weight and a heaviness on me about the ministry of the church, the ministries that are happening. And I'm not gonna give a whole lot of detail right now because I have per, per, perfect, excuse me, I have personal reasons for that. But you will receive communications, you will receive emails and text messages that will provide you with this information, but we are bringing back the ministries of Abundant Life Apostolic Church. We're going to be cautious. We're going to do things the right way. Could there be some things that are still broadcast over Facebook and YouTube? Yes. But I'm going to tell you, we're going to do things the right way. This COVID thing is still real. There are still people coming down with it. As a matter of fact, thanks to the Supreme Court, apparently what they're saying is that we have a spike. We're the hot spot in the country right now. Okay. All right. So we're going to continue to do things the right way, protect the right people, but I'm not going to stand in fear anymore. I'm not going to hold back the ministries of the church. Young people, you guys need to be ministered to. You need more than looking through a TV screen in order to hear your pastor's word. You guys need, we need Sunday school services for these little ones because we got little ones that are coming up on their own. They're coming up by themselves and praying for the Holy Ghost with nobody even knowing about it. Brother and Sister Gerbing bringing back 10-10-10 service. They're chomping at the bit, ready to go. They did a fantastic job with it before we went, got shut down, and they're going to do a fantastic job with it coming up. They're going to bring fire in this place in our pre-service prayer ministry. On those off days, Sister Angela, she's going to keep bringing the word of God that she, that she brings every single Sunday in our collective prayer, and we're going to gather together again like God had intended us to do. We're going to bring the ministry to the church, and then we're going to take the ministry of the church out there. tired of being held back. I'm tired of being slowed down. I'm tired of the enemy getting his way. His doctrine is wrong and we're not going to follow it anymore. We're going to protect people. We're going to social distance. We're going to wash our hands. We're going to keep all that stuff out there. We're going to do it the right way because there's a real disease that exists. We're going to be thoughtful about it, but we're going to gather together as God intended. Now, those that need to stay home, those that need to continue to protect, they have issues and all those worries and concerns, that's okay. We're going to keep on streaming this message. Hopefully, this message is going to keep on circling the planet and people are going to get a hold of the word of God. Word of God brings answered prayer. John 15 and 7, if ye abide in me and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will and it shall be done for you. You know, there's a conditional report in there. There's an if-then statement. If you abide in me and the word abides in you, then you can ask and prayers will be answered. The Bible actually says, did you know in Proverbs 28 and 9, it says that, that if you turn away from hearing his word and then you pray and ask for things, that your prayer is an abomination to God. Did you know that? You better stay in his word if you're going to be asking God for things. Because Proverbs says it's an abomination if you don't. The Bible provides victory over sin. Psalm 119 and 11 says, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. John 8 and 31, then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, if you continue in my word, then are ye my disciples indeed, and ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Are you living in a prison of fear this morning? Are you worried about what's coming down, how the United States is eroding away, our freedoms are gone? Get into the word of God and understand that the truth, the Bible, the word of God is what will set you free. Because when you've devoured this, and you live this, and you minister and preach this, all that other stuff doesn't matter because it's going away someday anyhow the word brings purpose in life 
Jesus told a disciple, to pray to God about his disciples, sanctify them in your truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I have also sent them into the world. God is sending you into the world now. Don't hunker down in your homes and hide away and hope everything goes by. If you're standing behind your door with a loaded gun waiting for someone to attack, you might just have the wrong idea. Is it a prudent thing perhaps to be prepared? I'm not going to come against that. But what I'm saying, if that's all we're doing, is just hiding away. We're completely missing what God has intended for us to do. Now is the time. Now is the time to get up and get excited. Before everything was smooth and great, we just kind of took it easy, ministered as we wanted to, right? We were comfortable. We had everything the way we wanted to. And now we're hiding behind our doors waiting for the end. Don't do that, folks. Get a hold of this thing. Get excited about it. Because I tell you, if you're working in this ministry, if you're spreading the word of God, if you're teaching Bible studies, God is going to surround you and cover you and bring you life. Faith comes by the hearing, hearing of the word of God according to Romans 10 and 17. If you're struggling right now, if faith is wavering in you, you're fearing, having that fear to come in, you just don't know what's going to happen in life. Faith comes by the hearing of the word of God. The Bible says that without a preacher, how are they going to hear? But they've got to hear. That means we've got to assemble together. We've got to gather together. And whether it's me or Brother Steve or, or uh, Brother Marty or Brother Mike or Brother Kylie, it doesn't matter. But God has provided you a preacher so that you could hear the word and your faith can be built. And always remember, and you could stand with me this morning, always remember Hebrews 4 and 12, the word of God is quick and it's powerful and it's sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and the joints and marrow and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. What does that mean? Well, it's okay to protect your family. I understand that. I'm not foolish. I, I get that. It's okay to protect your property. It's okay to be prepared. But what I'm telling you is there's a greater power at your fingertips. I told you last week, Victor Jackson, an evangelist in our organization, went to the very place that George Floyd died. He stood in that place and began a prayer meeting in the middle of the street and people gathered around and he began to pray over people and they started to get filled with the Holy Ghost. People were saved where one man died that has created so much destruction and hurt and pain in this country. Did he do it with guns and rocks and blades and swords? No, he did it with the word of God. He did it with the word of God. Be encouraged. You don't have to be Victor Jackson. You don't have to be an evangelist. You don't have to be licensed. But all you have to do is devour this thing and take the victory that's already waiting for you. I've got a bunch more in my list. I'm not going to get to all of them, obviously, as we're wrapping up, but I will read this. 2 Timothy 2 and 24 through 26 says, and the servant of the Lord must not strive. You know what strive means? It's, it's, it's the base word of strife. Strife is when we fuss amongst one another and we, we rub up against another, cause friction, we have challenges and problems. I don't like the way he did that. I don't like how she's saying that. I don't like, why is he doing it this way? That's strife. The servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness, instructing those that do what? That oppose themselves. There's a whole world of people outside of us right now that are doing horrible things. That man that's going to jail, see, he opposed himself. It felt good to push and hurt that old lady and knock her down because that lust of his flesh to, to lash out caused him to do that. But see, now he opposed himself because he's on his way to jail. 
And he's probably going to be there for a long time and it's not going to be very good for him. Instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Like I said, I hope somebody reaches him. God will give him repentance if he acknowledges the truth. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. One of my favorite scriptures, it's actually inscribed on the inside cuff of three of my suits. Right down in here on the inside. Psalm 119, 105. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It's about the word. We gotta devour the word again. Let's not devour each other. Let's not let fear creep in and the doctrine of the world create strife amongst us or the people you talk to on Facebook and your neighbors, etc. Let's let this perfect, beautiful message of peace be the words that come out of my mouth. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord. In Jesus' name, this altar is open this morning. You're invited to come down, those that will understand we're operating in social distancing, but come down to the altar, if you will. Spend some time with the Lord. Give me the word, God. Give me the word. We're going to get ready for a baptism here, so please stay around and celebrate with us. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at AbundantLifeChurch.org.